If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Every four years or so in the United States of America, we have what we call presidential primaries. I guess in the Bahamas, every so for five years, you have a election, a general election. But in the U.S., we have presidential primaries every four years. And then we have a presidential election that takes place. And on the one side, you got the staunch Republicans. And on the other side, you got those devoted Democrats. And no matter who the candidate is, those staunch Republicans are going to vote for the Republican. And those de devoted Democrats are going to vote for that Democratic candidate. And the remaining of the voters are either not affiliated with a particular party or else they will vote across party lines. They're liberal Republicans, we call them, or the conservative Democrats are usually referred to as swing voters or undecided voters. They're kind of on the fence, or yet they have not made up their mind, and even if they had made up their mind, they're not going to let you know about it. So now these candidates, they take millions and millions of dollars, and I think in this last presidential election set a record of the million, I wouldn't even want to guess, of the millions of dollars that was spent to sway these undecided voters, which is usually a small percentage, maybe five, sometimes 10, maybe a little more, but around 10% of the voters are the undecided voters. They spend all of this money, fly all across the country, get on buses and go and travel and do tours across states and do town hall meetings. They're away from their families. They do radio programs. They do TV programs, interviews after interviews, in an effort to get that small percentage of voters to vote for them. The undecided voters. How many of you wrestling buffs remember Jesse the Body Ventura? Uh, some of you do. You don't want to raise your hand. But Jesse the Body Ventura, in 1998, he ran as a... And as a matter of fact, I think he ran as a Reform Party candidate, which was Ross Perot's party. He ran as a Reform Party candidate for the governorship of the state of Minnesota. The Republican candidate was a little weak. The Democratic candidate was a little weak. And so here comes this celebrity running as a Reform Party candidate. And here this celebrity was able to sway these undecided and to sway these un uh, uh, voters that were on the fence to vote for him. And he won. He won the governorship of the state of Minnesota. In 1980, it was known as the Reagan Democrats that swayed the vote to Ronald Reagan. In 1992, it was the Clinton conservatives that swayed the vote to the Democratic Party. And there, Clinton, Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. All of these were considered to be undecided voters. Now, there are two deities before us who men worship today. Number one is God, the creator of all things. And number two is Satan, the God of this world. There are a great many here now who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and committed to his church. It's as plain as black and white that they are Christian. There's no doubt about it. They talk like it. They act like it. Everything around them says that they are Christian. If you look at the insofar as Satan is concerned, he's been cast away. There's no concern about the world today in their eyes. They're on the Lord's side. They're voting 
Their, their vote goes for Jesus Christ. Then unfortunately, on the other side, there are those that are decided for the God of this world. They will have no part with Christ. They will unhesitantly say that they are not Christian and they don't want to be. They have no anxiety for the future and they live as if there is no tomorrow. And then there are those that are undecided. They're wavering. They're facilitating between the two. They're seeking after God today and after the world tomorrow, seemingly unaware of who the ruler of the world really is. They read the Bible today, and then they're off to the meagerly elements of the world tomorrow. The old-fashioned saying is, they want their cake and eat it too. Therefore, we say they are uncommitted or undecided. Now, in the book of 1 Kings, Elijah speaks about undecided voters, undecided people that were before him today. And he says in verse number 21, one verse of scripture for our text this morning. And Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite, Elijah, that prophet of fire, came unto all the people and said, he asked a question, how long halt ye between two opinions? The New American Standard says, how long hesitate between two opinions? The message says, how long do you sit on the fence between the two opinions? I like the Amplified version. The Amplified said, how long halt ye and limp between two opinions? A little bit of God, a little bit of Baal. You're limping along a little bit. Not sure which one you're halting. You're taking your time. But he asked these questions, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God... Follow him. If Baal be God, then follow him. And then this is last verse, this last portion of this scripture really grips me. And the people answered not a word. Silence. Silence. And I think about the world today. We get in a Christian atmosphere. We get in church. We glorify God. We get in the world tomorrow, and it comes up where the Christians today, well, I don't know, you know, we, we say not a word. We mumble. We go on. They said not a word. They could hit a pin drop. There wasn't a word said before on that day. In other words, this scripture is saying you can't have things both ways. It's time to make a decision. For you see, election day is coming, and it's time to make a decision public for all. Now today, for the next few moments, I want to make a strong and urgent appeal to the undecided voters among us today, the undecided. Your heart is yearning to commit to Jesus Christ, but your fleshly body is saying, stick with the world and the God of this world. Election day is just around the corner, and I want each and every one of you to cast your vote for Jesus. Cast your vote for Jesus. Will you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for your message this morning. This is not mine. This is anointed of God. Father, bless the ears that we hear it and the voice that speaks it this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, Elijah was a prophet who proved over and over again, if you have faith in God, God will never let you down. Go back to where this story begins in chapter 17. Chapter 17 and verse number 1. In this story, Elijah goes to the house of Ahab, 
Ahab and his wife, Jezebel. I don't know about you, but when I hear this name Jezebel, it just, Steve, I don't, what does it do to you? It gives you little goosebumps. Folks, listen to me. Don't never name your child Jezebel, okay? <laughs> don't sound good. Don't name your child Jezebel. I mean, this Jezebel lady, this lady had a rap sheet out of this world. She was evil. She was ungodly. She did everything to destroy what God was trying to achieve. And this lady had the opportunity, along with her king Ahab, had the opportunity to be a great influence to the world, had an opportunity to be a great influence and lead people to, to God. But yet they chose to turn their backs upon God and they got a, had a decision and they decided to lead the people away from God. So this family that should be standing for God is instead worship, encouraging the worship of Baal, Baal, however you want to say it, the worship that God of Baal. Baal was considered to be the sun god. So we have a nation that is not standing for God and being pushed toward idolatry of Baal. But you had some there that were inclined to straddle the fence. They, just in case I got God over here, but just in case I need the world, I got Baal over here. A little bit of God, a little bit of Baal. A little bit of God and a little bit of Baal. But there comes a time when you have to decide are you going to be for God or are you going to be for Baal? Now, the myth about Baal was that he was killed by his enemies. And when he was killed by his enemies, he was resurrected in the fall or the spring. And when he was resurrected, the rains would come. So they related rain. If they needed rain, they related it to God. So anytime the, it was dry, they would cry out to the God Baal so that Baal would bring the rain. Turn with me back to the book of Deuteronomy. I want to show you what the Bible says the importance of rain is. Deuteronomy chapter 11. The Bible speaks about rain and how important rain is. In this portion of Scripture, Moses is speaking to the Israelites as he is leading them across the Jordan River. Let's begin reading back at, let's pick it up at verse number 13. And it shall come to pass... If you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, if you'll just dedicate your life to Christ, if you'll just serve God and God only, what did God said he will do? He said, I will give you the rain. That's how much importance rain was. Why did they need rain? I will give you the rain in due season, the first and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather the corn. Corn needs rain. The people need the corn. The people need the food to eat. So God says, I'll give you rain for the corn and the wine and the oil, and I will send grass in the fields for the cattle. If the cattle don't have any grass, the cattle wither up, and the cattle have no meat, and the people have no meat to eat, that thou mayest eat. And be full. But he also warns them. He says, take heed to yourself. That your heart be not deceived. And you turn aside. And you serve other gods. Like Baal. And worship them. What will happen if you worship these other gods? He said, and then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you. And he will shut up the heavens. And there will be no more rain. This is the importance that rain was to these people in this time. So God says, you think it's Baal that turns on the rain? You think it's Baal that gives you rain in the time of dry season? Then I'll do, tell you what I'll do. I'll turn the water off. No more rain. 
And let's see how quick you can get Baal to turn the water on again. So God calls Elijah. Says, Elijah, go and tell Ahab it won't rain for three years. And we've had rain for about six weeks, haven't we? I mean, but can you imagine how dry it was and we didn't have rain? I don't know what, two or three months of good rain. And boy, it was dry. Everything was brown. If you didn't have irrigation, it was, it was just absolutely dry and it was terrible. He said, for three years, it's not going to rain. So here Elijah travels through this well-watered land on his way to Samaria. And boy, the grasses are green. The cattle are just eating. They're getting fat. Boy, they love all this grass. The flowers are blooming. The trees are just beautiful. Oh, the crops are beautiful everywhere. And then Elijah delivers this message to the king. No more rain for three years. This man of God now finds himself hated for telling the truth. Oh, you thought that just happened today. You thought that was just modern times. Here, this man of God, all he did was warn the people and told the people, if you turn your back on God, God will shut off the rain and there'll be no more rain for three years. So now this Elijah is out to be killed. Here people hate Elijah. They don't want anything to do with Elijah. The Bible says, they that live godly shall what? Suffer what? Persecution. Here Elijah, all he did was deliver a message that if you don't turn your backs to God, if you don't turn towards God, God's going to turn off the rain. And now Elijah was hated. The people that hate Jesus also hate Elijah. The people that hate God, they don't want anything to do with God, also hate those that love God. That's the kind of world that we live in. That's the kind of world that they lived in. But when the sin of a nation rises to the level to turn water off, should we get mad at the one who announced it? Or should we get disturbed at the sin that caused it? But instead of getting upset at the sin, the people turn to Elijah and try to take his life. What should have the people have done at this time? Well, turn with me to one other verse of Scripture, and then we'll get back to 1 Kings. Go over with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. What should these people have done? Many of you know this verse of Scripture. Matter of fact, let's start with 14. Many of you can recite this verse. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall sing it, say it with me, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How do you heal land? Rain. Rain is one way of healing land. But however many you know verse 14, remember verse number 13. Look up at number, verse number 13. The writer says, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. This is what God had. God says, if you go against my will, one of the options that I have is to turn off the rain. So what the people should have done was pray. What the people should have done was humble themselves. What the people should have done was turn from their wicked way. What the people should have done was turn to God, but instead they turned to the word God of Baal, and God says, turn the water off. So this is what these people face. They should have prayed, but Ahab says the problem is the preacher. Always going to be the preacher. 
The problem wasn't the sin, he said. The problem is the preacher. The preacher brought this destruction on us. The preacher of the prophet of doom, Elijah. The, the, the Lord uh, brought this man before us so that he could bring uh, destruction to this land. The problem was not the sin in Ahab's eyes, but the problem was the preacher. Well, this morning, this may, preacher may be on the chopping block. It's got to be a big block. But I'm going to tell you three reasons. Three reasons among many, many, many reasons why you should make a decision for Jesus Christ. The title of our message this morning is Decision Time. Decision Time. Number one, the reason you should make your decision for Christ is God protects his people. Go back to chapter 17 in 1 Kings. God protects his people. We see in verse number four, that Elijah is fed by a raven, a crow. The ugliest black bird you could find. A little ugly crow was what fed here Elijah. He delivered this message, and then all of a sudden he knew he was being wanted to be killed. So God told him, says, go down by the brook. And go down there and says, you'll drink at the brook, and a raven will feed you bread and food and flesh. Now, folks, God does things in unusual ways. Right? Sometimes God, if you're going to go thirsty... What, what, go to a big river, you know, go to a, a big gushing river, but God sends him where? To a little, little brook. You know, a little brook is just something that branches off of a river. It's the first thing that dries up in a drought is a brook. But God sends him down to a brook. And not only that, sends him down to be fed by a raven. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but when I think about being fed by a raven, how's a ra I know how the raven carries his little baby's food. In his mouth. You know, I don't want a piece of bread being delivered by a crow's mouth, Brother Fowler. How about you? Not that you would eat it anyway. But here this, this, this Elijah is faced, and he, this, this bread comes from a raven. I mean, this raven, this is no Atlantis. This is no five-star hotel that, that Elijah is staying at. You know, God, if you're going to give him something, give, it, give him a nice hotel. But no, he gives him a, a little brook and a little raven to feed him. Why didn't God hide him some fertile valley, you know, put him behind a bamboo shack or something, you know, get the chicken that's thrown out in the evening time or the crack conk, you know, put him at a little old brook and a little raven to feed him. at. But the word message here is that God protects those who are faithful to him. Why decide for Jesus? Because God will always protect you. God will always be there in the time of trouble. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is always with us. He always puts us on top of the mountain when we are faithful and we trust in Jesus Christ. But eventually what happens? Three years of no rain, even the little old brook is going to dry up. So now God takes him from this brook and he leads him down and to, the, to the lady of Zarephath. The word Zarephath is interpreted the smelting pot. That one where the, that iron man takes the iron ore and he burns it in it. He get the, the, they separate the iron and the ore and all this stuff. It's the old smelting pot. So he sends him to the widow at Zarephath. There again, Lord, if you're going to send him somewhere, send him to a nice family, a wealthy family that's got a two-story house, you know, send him somewhere nice. But no, he sends him to a little old widow woman. At Zarephath. And there Elijah enters the city and he sees this woman at Zarephath, this widow woman. She's collecting sticks and he hollers out to her, Hey lady, fetch me some water. 
no three years of no rain, and here you want this lady to fetch you some water. Now, number one, this lady had to be spoken to, I'm convinced, had to be spoken to by God first. Because if come some stranger comes into your town and says, hey, lady, give me some water, what are most of you going to do? Hey, fella, go get it yourself. There's a water pot over there. But this lady had to know that this man was sin of God. And here she's collecting her sticks. She finally probably mumbles and grumbles, I don't know, and, went, and goes to go find this man water. And as she's going to find the water, he puts in the request number two. Hey, on your way, give me a cake too. Now, buddy, you've gone a little too far. You want water, there's three years of drought, and now you want me to go get a cake? I mean, make up, you know, you're asking a little too much around here. By the way, the only thing I got is just a handful of meal and a little bit of cruise in the oil, in the oil jug. I don't have nothing. I don't have much. There's not much before me today, but all right, I'll be obedient to God. Now, the lady is all right. I can, you know, maybe God will speak to her. But I always thought about the little fella, the little boy that was with her. You know, what did the little fella have to think? Hey, mom, you know, this preacher dude, I've seen these guys before. They come in, they try to take the little, take advantage of the little widow woman. And here this, uh, this preacher's come and he's going to take our last little meal and our last little, oil, little bit of oil. Mama, I tell you what, you make my cake and then you can give him your cake. But don't give me my cake. You know, that's what my son would be saying. Don't, don't, don't give me my SpaghettiOs. You give him your portion of the SpaghettiOs. But here this woman is obedient to God, faithful to God, listens to God, and is dedicated. And what does God do? God protects this lady. He says, don't worry about it. Every day you go back, there'll be a little bit of meal and there'll be a little bit of oil. And every day for the next however many, two, two or two years or so, every day this lady went back, a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil was in the pot for this lady to have cake. Why? Because God protects his people. But I like how God did that. He gave her a little bit here, a little bit there. He had a little bit at the brook, had a little food from a raven. You know, many of us Christians today, Lord, if you're going to give it to me, give me all. You know, if you're going to give me a car, give me a Cadillac. All right. I mean, I mean, hey, folks, some folks will be happy with a Nissan, right? I mean, we think, well, you got to have it all. If you're going to give me a home, go over to Ocean Club. Go over to Paradise Island. Give me one of those million-dollar homes. You know, and we're not satisfied with a little home that God is able to bless us, with, bless us with. If you're going to give me something, Lord, give it all. But God protects his people that are faithful to him. What an unlikely provider in either instance that we see here today. A black crow who normally wouldn't if he could, or a poor, helpless, penniless widow who couldn't if she would. But in either case, it was God who provided and God who protected his people because they were faithful to him and served God and God only. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is the promise of God. If you will make a decision for Jesus Christ, if you will serve God and him only, not serve God on Sunday and serve Baal on Monday through Friday. No, if you'll serve God and God only, God will protect your people. It wasn't the raven nor the widow woman who supplied the need, but God did. I've told you many times before, my granddaddy went to, my mother was probably three years old. My mom's in her 70s, so this is way back. And they were, began a pastorate in, in Dothan, Alabama, right at the beginning of World War II and right at the end of the Great Depression. 
And there my granddaddy went to this church, a three-year-old, a wife, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Went to this little old country church in the southern part of Alabama. Did not know, went down there and accepted the church, preached, accepted the call to this church, came back home, didn't even know what he was going to be making. Didn't even have a clue. Just packed up his bags and went to church. Found out later the pastor before he made $9 a week. That was it. First Sunday he had 10 people. Four of them was his own family. But God supplied his needs. Why? Because he made a decision for Christ. He's always said, I, look, I, I heard the call and I never looked back. He heard the call of Jesus and he never looked back and he went forward. And Jesus obeyed and was faithful to him. There was a many a times food was rationed back in those days in the U.S. You had to have food stamps and, and you had to have um, to get a lot of things, most everything, uh, gas, tires, uh, sweet milk. You could get buttermilk, but who wanted buttermilk? Uh, you get sweet milk and butter and eggs. You had to have it. It was all rationed. So you had to have food stamps. But my granddaddy had a fellow in his church named Seif and Ida Jackson. And the, the, they, he was a, had a little country store there in Dothan, Alabama. And Brother Steve Jackson was, had him a little butcher counter, and he would keep some of the, the meat tucked underneath the counter, kind of hid away, because if he put it out in the display case, it would be, all be gone. So he would hide a little away. So his wife told him, Ida says, Seif, says, when you come home today, says, get a little, couple little steaks, and I'll make some uh, homemade biscuits. And I come every time I preach, I talk about food. Get a little steak and I'll make some biscuits and some gravy and we'll, we'll have a little steak and biscuits and gravy for supper. Steve said, sounds good to me, Ida. So when it was closing time, he cut off all the lights and he went underneath the counter. And he reached underneath the counter to get a two pieces of meat and he heard a voice saying, he said, Brother Jackson. And he looked up. And to this day, he always said, I heard my dad tell this story. He said he always said this story for, with great conviction that he knew it was the Lord speaking in an audible voice. Brother Jackson. And he looked up and, who's that? And nobody was there. And he thought to himself, well, something here is something. So he goes back under the counter again. And he reaches in and he hears it in the first, first verse, the first name this time, Seif. And he comes out and he said, Lord, is that you? He said, yes. And says, if you'll see to it that the preacher and his little girls have meat, you'll always have meat. Why? Because God protects his people. God is faithful to those who honor and trust him. And every day during the World War II, and every day for a year later, Brother Davis and my mom and her sister and her, and her mother had meat to eat. If Brother Jackson ate meat, there was always a little package for Brother Davis. A few days later, there was another man who wasn't even a Christian, had white-legged chickens, and he had chickens. And he told his wife, says, for every 10 eggs that you get out of these white-legged chickens, says, set a one for the preacher. Set one aside for the preacher. For all of the days of World War II, my mother and her always had chicken eggs from the white-legged chickens of the man who later became a Christian in the church. Sweet milk. The man was out in the, in the woods praying one day. He was a lay preacher. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you make sure that the little kids have, the little preacher's daughters have milk to your drink. He says, I'll promise that your cows will never run dry. For four years and one year later, my mother and them always had meat to eat. They always had eggs to eat. They always had butter on their table. They always had sweet milk on the table. And why? Because God was faithful to those who are decided for him and put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. God protects his people. And God always will protect you 
who will honor and trust him in Christ Jesus. So we have Ahab. We can't find him. He's fed by a raven and then by a widow. There's no rain and the land is barren. But if you stand for what is right, God will protect you. And now we find Ahab and Obadiah are out looking for water for the cattle. A king, but he can't command water. He's out looking. The cattle are getting a little thirsty, so they're out. Obadiah is out. Obadiah goes one way. Ahab goes another way. They got to find water for their cattle. But God tells, and God, um, Elijah meets Obadiah on the way in the woods. He meets Obadiah. And Obadiah knows that it's Elijah, and he falls down, and he worships Elijah. He said, are you the prophet of Elijah? He said, yes, I am. He said, go tell Ahab. I want to see him. I want to tell him something. And Obadiah says, hey, look, we've been out looking for you for three years. He says, if I go tell the king that you're, that you're here, and, and I know how powerful God is, and God could just pick you up in one instance and pull you away. And then if, when he comes back and he sees that you're not here, he's going to kill me. Elijah says, don't worry about it. He says, I'll be right here. Not intimidated. He's been looking for him for three years. But Elijah says, don't worry about it. I'll be right here. So now Obadiah goes back and he goes to get Ahab. This once land that was beautiful was flowing with beautiful grass. The streams were flowing. The peoples were just beaming with joy because everything was beautiful. Now walks back through barren, dry, dusty, ugly Trees, scorched, cattle, not fed. Prairies look empty because there's no rain for three years. And he goes back and he sees Ahab. And he says, Elijah says to tell you to come down that there's going to be a rain. So Ahab goes down and he looks for Elijah. And he spots Elijah before Elijah can spot him. And he says, Elijah, is that you who troubles Israel? And Elijah says, hey, Sorry, Ahab, no problem. He says, you know, it was all a misunderstanding. It was all, you know, I, I didn't mean for it to happen, but don't worry, the rain is coming. That's not what Elijah says. But Ahab says, is it you who troubled Israel? Elijah says, no, you're the trouble, my brother. You and your family's house, you're the trouble. This man's got some nerve now. He's been running for three years, and now he's all of a sudden, he's Mr. Come on, bring it on. And here Elijah says, no, you're the trouble. So now Elijah says, meet me on Mount Carmel. Showdown. How many of you like Westerns? Well, I can see Elijah. Meet me on Mount Carmel. There's going to be a showdown. My father-in-law, he likes to watch Bonanza. I've seen more episodes of Bonanza in the last couple of weeks. The Chesterfields, boy, those people are always in trouble. Showdown. Meet me out in the galley here. We're going to have a showdown. So Elijah and Ahab meet on the top of Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal versus one man who's endowed with strength from the one and only God. And many of us are worried about the world's economy. Many of us are worried about what tomorrow holds. And here this was one man versus 450 prophets, but he wasn't worried one bit. So here Elijah goes and he says, you take a bullet and I'll take a bull. And we'll go and we'll, the one who answers by fire is the one and true in God. Now, folks, they've had drought for three years. What's the last thing you want to see in a drought? Fire. Nobody wants to see fire during a drought. But here he says the one who answers by fire 
is the one whose God is the great God. So uh, the people of Ahab, the 450 prophets of Baal, they began to, to at, at morning time, they build the altar, they, they sacrifice the, the bull, they prepare the bull, they lay him up on the altar, and then they began to cry out to Baal. They began, oh God, Baal, if you hear us now, bring fire upon this altar, burn this sacrifice up. And they prayed and they prayed from morning time to noon time. And then Elijah says, well, I think I'm going to have a little fun with this. And Elijah says, I don't think he hears you. You got to get a little louder. You know, Baal God's not hearing you. I think he's indisposed at the moment. You better go check the restroom. You know, Baal, Elijah begins to intimidate the people and say, you got to cry louder. You got to shout a little louder. You got to give it a little more. So now the people, they're angry. They jump up on the altar. They begin to shout louder. Come on, Baal, bring the fire down. And they get the knives and they cut their wrists and they cut their bodies. And they said the blood is just gushing out of their bodies. And finally, from noon time to, uh, uh, from morning time to noon time, and now noon time to evening time, these people have cried out to Baal for fire to burn the sacrifice no fire absolutely not one spark all it would take is dry everything is dry and all it would take is just a spark but the people hear not a word from the god of baal so now elijah says step aside enough of all of this foolishness enough of all of this enough of all of this step aside and Elijah goes, he takes the altar, and he begins to prepare the altar. He takes the 12 stones, signifying the 12 stones of Israel, and he begins to place the stones back. And I think Elijah was just taking his time, you know, my... <whistles> Name that to him. Majesty. I think he was singing, worship his majesty. And he began, and he begins to cut the bull. And he begins to sacrifice the bull. Prepare the bull for the altar. And there he sacrifices the bull. He prepares the bull to be sacrificed. And he looks to the God of heaven. He goes and he does another unusual thing. That we didn't have rain. We, 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 we need fire. And now what, is, what, do you, what, what do you don't need when you need fire? You don't need water. But what does he do? He goes and he digs a, a trench around the sacrifice, around the altar. And he goes, he says, bring me four barrels of water. Four barrels of water. Bring me four more barrels. Four more barrels of water. Bring me four more barrels of water. Twelve barrels of water is poured over this altar that is prepared for the sacrifice, that is prepared to prove once again that God protects his people and that God proves himself once again. And all of a sudden, Elijah looks up to heaven as all of this water is, is gushing out across the floor. And he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and that of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy service, and I am here to do this at the hand of God. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, O Lord, that these people may know that thou art the God, and that thou hast turned their heart back to him again. And immediately the fire fell. Now folks, many of you know when fire comes, it comes from the ground up. But immediately the fire fell. I have to say it fell out of heaven. Came out of heaven's gates and fell 
down on that sacrifice. Burnt the sacrifice. Burnt all of the wood up. Burnt the stone up. Even licked the dust that was around the altar. And even licked up the 12 barrels of water that was around the altar of God. And once again, God proved that he is the great God of Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. And the people cried out, only he is God. Only he is God. Folks, the decision time came. And when God proved himself once again, the decision was for Jesus Christ. The decision was for Jehovah God. One day the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things of the earth, of things under the earth. Everyone will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord of all to the great revelation of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Folks, this is why I preach this gospel of Jesus Christ. I've never once preached this gospel for one ounce of dime, not one ounce of money. I have never asked for one penny to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason I preach this Jesus Christ is a, as Lord and Savior is because as a young person, as a college man, I thought I was going to become a businessman. I was going to make lots of money. I was going to get rich in the business world. I went to the finest institutions of higher learning become a a businessman, but all of a sudden the Lord says, that's not your goal. Your goal is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't preach for money, but I preach that souls will be saved for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not here for political position. I'm not here politicking for anything. I'm here doing what God has called me to do. God protects his people. God blesses his people. And you can come. And the third thing is, when we honor God, when we make a decision for Christ, God brings blessings to all of those who look to him. Elijah told Ahab, says, go, go, get home. Says, I hear the rain are coming. I hear the rain are coming. What did he hear? He heard in verse number one, God show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. What he heard was the promise of God. He didn't hear the pitter pat of, of raindrops beginning to fall. He didn't hear all of the, the thunderstorms that we've been hearing for the last few weeks. He didn't hear the crowd, the, 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 the thunder, the clouds beginning to clash one another. What he heard was the promise of God. And he sent his servant. He said, go, go, go look out. You see anything? Not a thing. Seven times he sent him. Go look. He said, well, I, I see one. No, that's not. That's no bigger than a man's fist. That can't be a rain cloud. He said, that's it. The rain is coming. The blessings are coming. For those who have decided for Jesus Christ, the blessings. What they needed right then was rain. That was the blessing that God had. He said, the rains are coming. Go get your house in order. Go get ready to go. And here the people go. And God begins to pour the rain upon those who are faithful to him. Both spiritual revival doesn't come through organization. We go and we spend money we do advertisement. We set time and date. We do conferences. We do all of these. We, we get big name speakers to come to organize a great spiritual revival. We do all of these things that you're supposed to do to get a, a spiritual revival. But my friends, you cannot command a spiritual revival no more than Elijah and Ahab could command a rain cloud to come. It only comes through God. Great moves of God don't come through organization. Great moves of God come through agonizing, agonizing at the brook Cherith, 
agonizing at the widow woman's house, agonizing time in and time out with three years of no rain. But God is faithful. God protects. God proves himself who are faithful to him. Folks, if you're here on the bench this morning, if you're here on the fence this morning, and you don't know which way to go, this is the morning to decide for Jesus. This is the time you can have a decision for Jesus Christ. Get off of the fence this morning. Go for Jesus this morning. You'll never look back, and you'll never regret the decision you make this morning. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if I could this morning, I would cast a vote for everyone here. I would go to the poll booth for you. I would take the little lever and turn the little lever for you. Decided for Jesus. Vote for Jesus. But I can't do it. I can't do it. Pastor Lee can't do it. Pastor Fowler can't do it. Pastor Cartwright can't do it. Pastor Arnett can do it. No one here can vote, cast a vote for you. Only you can pass that vote. But what I can do with you is pray and that the conviction of the Holy Spirit will lead you to Jesus Christ. That's what I can do, folks, this morning. And that's what I want to do. If you're here this morning, and as they begin to play softly, I have decided to follow Jesus. And you've never made that decision. You want to serve Christ, but the world keeps tugging at you. You want to make that decision for Jesus Christ, but the world keeps saying, no, no, stick over here just, just a little while longer. We get comfort nowadays in computers. We get comfort nowadays. We think we can just go to our computer and, and occupy ourselves. But folks, when you shut that computer down, you still got troubles. You still got problems. And only Jesus can change those problems and make them good. So if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, all I want to do is pray with you. All I want to do is help you in your newfound walk with Jesus Christ. If I could do it for you, I would do it. Folks, this is why I preach this gospel. This is why we do it each and every Sunday. This is what we pray about. This is why we study. I spend hours and hours of time and study and prayer all for this moment that you can come to Jesus Christ. And folks, it's worth every hour that I put into it, every bit of hour that I put into it, if you'll make that decision for Jesus Christ. And you're here this morning, you said, I've never made a decision, or I've been on the fence this morning, and I want to signify this morning that I want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Will you just raise your hand right now? Raise your hand, yes, in the back. Praise God. Someone else this morning wants to make that decision for Jesus Christ. Someone in the balcony this morning, you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You want to commit to Him and Him only. I invite you to raise your hand right now. We're going to sing this through one time. I have decided to follow Jesus. If in the next few moments, if you want to raise your hand, I'll be looking. I'm not here to embarrass anyone, but I'm here to just to lead you to Christ. It's time to go. We're fixing to get out. Hang with me for one more minute. We're going to sing one verse right now. I have decided to follow Jesus. A decision to follow him. I have decided to follow Jesus. Anyone else want to make a decision for Christ? I have decided. 
this moment will you stand with me and for those who raise their hand we're going to pray right now maybe you didn't raise that hand but you want to make, pray this prayer with me father we thank you for this time we've heard from you this morning we've heard the word of god this morning it's pressed down shaken together and running over within our bosom this morning and father right now i want to make that decision to serve christ and him alone i'm getting off of the fence today I'm not wor worshiping the world anymore, but I am committed to Christ. The cross is before me. This old world is behind me. I'm looking forward to being with Jesus. I'm looking forward to working with Jesus. I'm looking forward to leading others to Jesus Christ, just as I've made that decision today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and everyone says, Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Brad.